Hello and welcome to yet another episode of FPL by Dummies with your hosts Josh, Cam and Tom. It is going to be an international special and it is going to be in a kind of post-audio improvement. So two of us have our mics, one of them has somehow got lost in Marseille. And yeah, it's going to be a bit different this week. So what we're going to start off with is just discussing how awful international football is and and bringing to the boys... uh, just some ideas as to things that are worse than international football so tom things that are worse than international football to you uh being a brentford fan and being sat with a leeds fan liverpool fan that's that's pretty bad pretty bad it's not not great anyway uh, uh, on that on that note with um being in the player final and then conceding two goals from a left back come close to that's pretty bad that yeah that's that's I chance I forgot that happened so um <laughs> thanks thanks for that I'm in, mate and uh, I think the worst thing actually worse than international break is watching how bad Fulham and West Brom are doing in the prem knowing too well that Brentford, Brentford would be, be doing better. even worse no they'd be much better I think well it's good to know that the therapy did its dub Tom that you're actually forgetting about the Brentford stuff no 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 I haven't forgot um, about it at all to be honest and that Cam's it's just actually... wasted all that money <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the only thing probably worse than being a Brentford fan is probably being a Spurs fan. So, yeah, as I was saying, it's 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 awful for everyone to be saying, "Oh, you know what? A Spurs chance of winning the Premier League and weighing up or finish higher in you know either Spurs or Chelsea, and and just knowing full well that you're going to finish fifth. Um, <laughs> Son's not going to score another nice. goal all season, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you're just going to wallow in in despair, and everybody's going to laugh at you. Um, I would feel really bad if I was Will right now. Our die, our long-serving and long-suffering uh, Spurs friend. But yes, yeah, so, friend. Well, yeah, we'll we'll go with that. We'll go. Okay, with that. He's yeah. a listener, isn't he? So we'll go with friend. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry, Will. I think um I think I'd have to agree with the Spurs one. Um, there's not many other things that are worse than international football. Um, oh, but hopefully, no, I I, I realised being friends with a Spurs fan is worse than being a Spurs fan. That is very true. <laughs> I take it all back. That is that is definitely the worst one. Um, to be fair, I think if you're like the on the opposite side though, if you're Donny van der Beek right now, you're probably really looking forward to international football so you can actually play a game. So <laughs> play a game, score some goals. Exactly. Show show what you re- should be starting in a Man United team every week. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to be doing a little bit of a different podcast. Obviously, um, we will have our normal podcast next week to give you the previews and the players that you need to bring in and out. Um, spoiler alert as to who mine's going to be to take out. Um, but we're going to be breaking it up into three sections. So we're going to be doing a little bit of a theme of the season so far. So looking back upon how it's gone, <laughs> which for some of us is going to be pretty rough, um, and then take you a forward look. So we're actually going to talk some actual proper Premier League football. So we're going to be talking about the real world. And then we're going to be talking about how that affects fantasy going forward so looking at the themes so far should we start with yours cam just to vary it up a little bit um one thing that has come out of this fantasy season so far is is salah yeah i mean i I will never forget his first breakout season where it's well documented your stubbornness um refusing to get him in but this season on season he just continues to defy what would probably be logic and he just, yeah, he's Mr. Reliable, as we've called him in this segment, because no matter how well or badly Liverpool are playing, particularly at home, he just comes up with goals, doesn't he? Um, so for me, he's just one of those players that is just a must-have in your team, and you just set and forget. Um, and I think, of, yeah, and look, although having said that, I am considering bringing Mane in, but that's just for the sake of freeing up funds elsewhere. But Is that Salah's, for a double-up, or is that...? 
no, that's in no. place of. Um, yeah. Because despite him being like a really good fantasy asset, I think Mane is our best player and has got. Um, he's more consistent, so he returns home and away, whereas Salah just can go and bag like 24 points in one game week and then blank for two. So, But yeah, Salah, Mr. Reliable in a world of uncertainty. I do I do remember that first season as I didn't have him for the whole season, rather like I didn't have Riyad Mahrez for the whole Leicester title-winning season because I was convinced at some point that he would become worse. Um, like Son when Son I, is honestly if he does that if he does that to me I might just stop fancy football like I'll come on the podcast and I'll just talk about other things I'll be like yes I cooked some nice brownies tonight as you're trying to talk about fancy football that's probably what's going to happen if well, Son goes is, and delivers the saying is fool me once isn't it fool me twice but this would be the third time that Josh has been fooled <laughs> by a player in yeah shame on me the second time I'm not even sure they have got to the third time yet but super most shame people, most people learn their lessons after the second time but not our Josh <laughs> Not not me, not me. I, I stand by, by my words. And obviously, it was only for a season though. So literally next season, I had Salah straight in my team. Mm. And he didn't do anything for seven game weeks. And I took him out <laughs> and then he started scoring again. So I was like, this man is the most devil, devil-esque person that I've ever had to put in my team. But I do Maybe agree. the players just get together and like, you know, sort of group around like, oh, who should we, who should score the goals this year, guys? Like, ah. Oh. When when your Salah's just like yeah I'll do it next year's like Riyad and then maybe this year oh Son uh, yeah well, yeah well, you can score Josh won't put you in this year no definitely not definitely not yeah I feel like I sort of nailed myself to the mast on that one unless Son <laughs> can actually produce some reliable statistics yeah it's gonna be <laughs> hopefully he doesn't punish me is all I'm gonna say but he's definitely been oh, a, he's definitely been a bit of a uh, theme so far hasn't he just sort mm. of Son and, and Spurs delivering oh, so many Harry, points Harry and but, Son. yeah. The, com- the combinations and the number of one-on-ones they've had. It's, you know, unbelievable. Literally <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, the the other theme of the season so far, um, Tom, I think this is a really interesting one. So you've got penalty skewing statistics. Yeah, it's, uh, well, so going, coming on from Salah, really, obviously he's got a couple of pens to his name. But, um, yeah, I did have a quick look and uh, it's just absolutely nuts the amount of penalties that are being given this year, uh, especially for the certain things that they'll be given for. I think that new handball rule is the biggest travesty to ever hit football, in my opinion. It's absolutely stupid. Um, yeah, the I think the one the, the biggest one so far is they talked, I think I saw was a Max Kilman's pen that he got given against Leicester, which was a, such a bad penalty. Even Casper Michael came out after the game and said it wasn't a handball, basically, pretty much. Um, yeah, so I had a look and uh, so last season there was obviously 360 games and there were 99 pens. And so far, there's not been quite a quarter of the season yet, so 78 games, and there's already been 42 pens. And so, if it carries on at the same rate, by the end of the season, it won't just be a record season for pens, it'll be a record season for pens by about 60 penalties. 194 pens is going to be at the end of the year. Um, the crate, yeah, so from sort of obviously from a fancy point of view, um, no one's going to get a clean sheet. And there's going to be a ridiculous amount of goals from people like, for example, Jorginho, who no one's going to get in because why the hell would you get Jorginho in? And every so often he'll step up and just take a penalty. That's the point with that ridiculous. If the season is going to be as crazy, is is it worthwhile considering someone that is just a penalty merchant if there are going to be so many awarded? Because, yeah, Jorginho is not going to be flying into the box and arriving and scoring goals and assists and stuff. But if he's going to get a penalty every three or four games and he's going to score, then maybe he's worthwhile. Well, I thought about it. I was thinking about it earlier and I actually don't think you would get someone in like Jorginho. I think it's more sticking to the reliable 
players, like for example Salah, Kane, who are going to score goals from open play, but also get your goals from the penalty spot as well. So, you know, for example, like, was it Vardy last week? Or I know he missed a penalty as well, but he also scored one. So, okay, fine. That obviously cancelled each other out slightly. He still got five. But the six. fact that he wasn't having, yeah, he wasn't having a great game. He wasn't doing that much, but he still got points on the board from having another penalty from, I, to honest, I don't know what it was, but more than likely handball VAR related. So, yeah. I mean, the, the handballs are just ridiculous. I mean, I kind of accepted the Joe Gomez one a bit better, but a bit more against City. I still thought it wasn't one, but Carragher in his analysis was saying it actually hit his elbow, which was in against his side. So his arm was out, but it hit him on the elbow, which was tucked in. And it's like, what can defenders do nowadays to stop giving away a penalty? Because I can appreciate sometimes you might not intend to, to handle the ball, but it gives you an advantage. But you just have to have a bit of reason, don't you, in what situation is actually a handball and what's not. But. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, so actually doing a little bit of preparation for the podcast this week for once, I know. It's a bit scary, so you, bear with me. Have you been laid off work, Tom? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just sat at home crying. <laughs> you bought a Brentford again, I started crying again, and uh, just constant crying really at the moment. No, but I was looking at the rules of the handball this year, and obviously... Um, We'll talk about the Bamford offside probably next week. I don't really want to bring that up for Josh because I think that might be a bit of a sore subject. But um, they've basically put that handball is anywhere below the sleeve, which I'm just waiting for like players to start wearing like mid-length sleeves now, like three-quarter lengths, but on <laughs> their arms. Like... Line, isn't it? It's a yeah, it's ridiculous, it's, isn't it's it? It's also like, like but... I was thinking about this. The size of a ball, when it lands on the edge of a T-shirt, are you going to say that's handball? Are you going to say that's not, not exactly? Because at what point Definitely. does the, does it is it going to be like goal line technology? It's going to zoom in on the on the t shirt line. It's going to show the full ball above the t shirt <laughs> line. We're going to have like we're going to have like sensors. In, yeah, out. we're going to have sensors in the t shirts. So it's going to go. Oh no, that didn't cross the t shirt line. That's not happening. <laughs> and we're going to go. Oh god, thank god. And Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville are then going to say, oh, you know, that's as accurate as the the man trying to draw some lines on a line from a random angle for offside. So that's going to be you know equally accurate. Um, yeah, I think it's ridiculous. I think there's just got to be a level of, you know, we always say it, but give the advantage to the attacker, um, the advantage, um, you know, the benefit of the doubt to the attacker, and just accept that it hasn't really afforded them an advantage from the, the angle it is. And yeah, there's still going to be some decisions that you're not going to agree with, but this this t-shirt rule is just ridiculous. Well, it's just like even like I mean, it's really hard to get the right wording that captures what you're trying to see in real life. But this whole kind of outside and normal silhouette, like to me, with Joe Gomez, for example, and Max Kilman, they're pretty much identical scenarios of something running back towards goal. And when you run, you move your arms up and down. And that is your natural silhouette, but it's hit them on the arm. And on Gomez's case, the elbow, which was against his side. And that's been awarded as a penalty. So it's just, they need to come up with something that actually means something in real life. But um, it's just consistent, which obviously is a really hard task, but... Yeah, do you do you, obviously like from now? It's without, I know a quarter of the way through the season. They're not going to ch- you. You'd imagine they're not going to change anything with the rules now because surely then all those penalties that were given, for example, well, I think like Eric Dyer's one all, would that not then be? They going, did change they, you know, that wouldn't the have first been a few weeks. Yeah, they did. Oh, did they? They did. They did review the rule. Um, I can't remember exactly what it was. I think it was literally like any handball from an offensive player was the bit they changed, wasn't it? That I think yeah. that they. Well, it's like isn't they can and they do change the rules during the season. Like it's normally an exceptional circumstance. But I remember after the first few weeks, after for example that Eric Dyer one that you were talking about, Tom, they were like mm. Carragher and Neville were like this will slow down. They'll have to change it, and it just hasn't. 
So even though they have slightly changed the wording, I was kind of like not considering having a regular penalty taker, but someone like Mateus Click could actually be quite a good shot because he plays consistently and he plays a similar role to Jorginho, but he's got a bit more freedom and he gets forward a lot more. As we saw mm. like against Liverpool and other teams, he gets into the box and scores. So, And he's a nice, cheap, I think he's 5.6 still, or is he down to 5.5? But he's on Leeds penalties. I know they've not had too many, but... Yeah, the only thing I'd say is he's currently playing deeper whilst Calvin's out. Um, uh, and I think that's one of the reasons that we're conceding more. Um, right. Calvin's pretty much essential. And if you if you watch the games, Klitsch's distribution is, is shocking at the moment. Um, however, I would agree that he's not a bad option, especially if you take into consideration penalties and the fact that he will get further forward um, when, when uh, Calvin is back. How long um, is Calvin Phillips out for? I actually don't know. I think he was planned to be back after the international break, but I could be wrong on that one. Okay. I haven't actually looked recently. Um, the it kind of the kind of tying into penalties a bit. The the theme of the season that I picked out so far is form over fixtures. I think the penalties have led to this, um, but that there's always been a debate ongoing on in the fancy community of you know should you put bring in a player who's got better fixtures or should you just trust their form. Um, and there's never really been a true defining answer apart from generally I think people agree that form is probably more important, especially if you're going to get someone out for a couple of game weeks. You know, if they're trying to avoid a hard fixture, uh, sometimes just keeping the people people who are playing well. Um, but this year it's just been amplified because you don't seem to have a single team that is beyond getting absolutely thrashed. You know, you've obviously got Liverpool getting thrashed. I don't know if we've mentioned that. Um, you've Wait, got. When was that, and who was it against? Uh, oh no, your therapy's made you forget it as well. Um, so uh, you got beaten by Aston Villa, and they put seven past you. And wow. Watkins scored a hat trick. Yeah. Oh yes, he did. Why did no one tell me about Gorg- this? Gorgeous. No, it did happen. We have we have this discussion every day, Cal. Over three it's... podcasts, and this is the first time you're telling me. <laughs> yeah. No, honestly, we we talk about this every week, Cal. But. Obviously, the therapy is doing its job. Um, Man City obviously got thrashed by Leicester as well. And then Leicester in turn have conceded four, I think, in a game. I could be wrong about yeah. that. So, Megan's so, Wolves. Yeah, so so everyone everyone is conceding a load of goals. So it's just like, well, actually, I don't really... Well, and then Man United, obviously Tottenham. So it's just like, I don't really care who the player is. If they're playing well, keep them in. People like Grealish, people like Kane. Calvert-Lewin. You know, yeah, Calvert-Lewin. Um all of them just continuing to deliver irrelevant to the fixture. So that's kind of been my theme so far. But looking forward and talking about general Premier League predictions, so as I say, we're doing a little bit of actual real football rather than fancy football. Um, let's t- start with yours, Tom. You-, you think that Spurs and Chelsea could be title contenders? Or do you uh, No, well, yes and no. So obviously, not the big big men bottlers of Spurs. I can't see that happening. That's my my opinion. But um, I think Chelsea have got a really good shout. How they've been playing the last few games, it seems to all be coming together. Big old fat Frank seems to be um, pulling pulling them all all sort of in the in the right direction. They're not conceding. They're not conceding many. They're scoring pretty much for fun against well, put put four against. What was it at the time? I think pretty solid defence of Sheffield United. They've only been conceding like one or two compared to sort of some of these other teams that are conceding lots, and they seem to rip them apart. So I think I can see Chelsea doing quite well this year, and they they just seem to have bought 
very good players at not not okay obviously they spent a lot of money but they the players they bought in all seem to be sort of playing pretty well and playing playing pretty well as a team I think as well yeah I'd, I'd agree I think Chilwell Thiago Silva um Zayic and Werner have all settled pretty well I think Havertz is, yeah. is having a little bit of a tougher time of it but you know that's four out of five right there and yeah and I think I think I think he will come good you know there's there's obviously a reason they spent 72 million on him and, and they're not Arsenal they don't spend 72 million on a on a player like and then put them on the bench put them on the bench, and put them on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think Havertz he wasn't playing his best football but he was still consistently returning for a good three or four weeks in a row I seem to remember he got a couple of goals and maybe even a couple of assists 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 um mm. so yeah i mean he he's definitely he doesn't you don't turn bad overnight unless you're fernando torres so um he probably can rely on him to come back to form once he's back from his covid yeah bout, but he's played lots of different positions as well yeah. i think i think frank's tried him a lot because obviously he does play lots of different positions so i think they're trying to find the right position for him in that team so which at the moment who knows where that is so yeah, and, and when we initially had this discussion, I was very much of the belief that neither Spurs nor Chelsea would, would be able to win the win the Premier League. I think with che- with Liverpool's injury horrors going on, and obviously Gomez, the most recent, I do think there's a little bit of me starting to say, actually, I'm not that confident in City being able to hold it together this season. And Liverpool are really taking the battering like defensively. I'm not sure how much longer they can go on. Um, with the defence that they're going to have in place. So I am slightly now doubting myself thinking Chelsea could pull through. But the reason I don't like them is I don't think they'll be able to deal with it when the times get tough. Every team, apart from obviously Liverpool last season, went through a tough spell. And I think that when when Chelsea go through their tough spell, they're going to just fold. Um and that's going to be what loses them the title is that spell of a few games that they don't win. Whereas I think Liverpool and Man City will grind out results. Particularly Liverpool, I think they're just scoring enough to be able to account for their bad defence. It doesn't really matter if you're conceding mm. one, if you're scoring three. So I do think neither of them will be there, but I've been proved wrong before. Yeah, I mean, I think both of them probably have just as much chance as the other. Um, I think... Chelsea are in a good run of form, so are Spurs at the minute. But as you say, Josh, like I think both of them, once the going gets tough, they've not shown in years gone by. I mean, obviously Chelsea's a new squad now, but they've not shown in years gone by. They've got that resilience to just grind out results that Liverpool showed for last season, for example. So I can definitely see them tripping up. But yeah, it's just kind of... It's, I think it's more that there's a dearth of... Um, kind of front runners like we've had in years gone by um, so they're kind of there by default if you know what I mean um, no one's had a particularly outstanding start so it's all quite up in the air and uh, everything to play for um, City presumably will win their game in hand and then they'll be back level on points with Chelsea um, and you know there's three points in it obviously we're only um very early doors in the season, but three points cover the top six or seven if City win their game in hand. So I think, yeah, it's anyone's anyone's to win this season. Um, and I think, I think City will settle and that brings on nicely to your point, Cam, which is can we count on City for goals? Um, I think it's a really interesting topic, but 
they haven't had their full strength defense yet or they haven't really settled with a defense and obviously Aguero and Jesus have been out um, through the season and even De Bruyne for for brief periods so I think they've taken a lot of impact there but I want to get your thoughts on on why you think this is a kind of a, a prediction to go forward. Yeah I mean I looking just at their fixtures coming up they've got a lot of green they've got Burnley and West Brom at home which um, should just be a walkover for them but uh, I saw quite an interesting stat the other day, which took me by surprise, that Raheem Sterling is their top fantasy assist if, uh, asset this season. And he's only got 33 points and he's a joint 43rd in the overall standings. Um, which, yeah, for City, you normally would expect them to have at least two or three within the top 10 or 15 players. Um, so they definitely haven't been knocking the goals in at their usual rate. But, I mean, it kind of goes back to your form over fixtures point this might be a fixtures over form for them because this could be the confidence boost they need playing against some easier opposition, knock in three or four at home, and then they'll get the ball rolling. But I think defensively they've actually had quite a good complement this season, but they've not had a recognised striker. David Silver's left and they didn't really replace him. Foden obviously is stepping up into his shoes, but he's a different kind of player. Um, so, yeah, they've not been at full strength. So I think we can start to look at some City assets um, for goals in the coming weeks. But, yeah, on on the, on the theme of the season so far, they've not been particularly potent. So it'll be interesting to see how they come back after the international break. Poorly. I don't think they're going to... I don't think they're going to be the team that they have been for the last few seasons, really, especially from a fantasy point of view. Uh, there's no one really that's standing out that's going in the player that you really want to get in your team either. They've got that Ferran Torres that's come in and he scored a few goals in the Champions League, but he's not done anything in the Prem. And I, he almost looks like one of those players that seems to be the one that they buy, like the classic, I think, probably when United, well, when United buy anyone, but when United buy, bought Di Maria and obviously world-class player comes in, can't really handle the Prem and he just seem a little bit like that, that in the Champions League games he looks very good against you know the European teams, but against the English teams, he looks he looks a little bit out of depth almost. Mm. So yeah, on, I, I I disagree slightly. Um, I think this is I think there's been a bit of a fantasy. There's there's a typical thing in fantasy where people say stuff at the start of the season, and then they say something that's long term forecast um, because they think they can predict the future. Um, and the classic one that everyone was saying was Trent will be in my team from game week one, and I will never drop him. He's just a, he's he's a What's the word they use? Um, essential. Yeah, he's absolutely essential. He'll be in my team from game week one through to game week 38. I mean, his uh, ownership has absolutely plummeted. Um, similar thing has been said about De Bruyne. People are like, oh, I'll have De Bruyne in from game week one and I just won't drop him. I think people are forgetting, and to a degree with Trent, but more specifically with De Bruyne, is my opinion, De Bruyne is the best player in the world. I think, I think he's past Ronaldo and Messi now. In the, in the way that he plays, his passing, his vision. And if you watch the games, he's still making those passes. Now, they're not as, there's not as many, but he just he just came off a, a game where he's had an assist and should have had a goal. Obviously, he's missed the penalty. If De Bruyne has a goal and an assist, I think this conversation is completely different and people are like, oh God, have I made a mess here not getting De Bruyne in my team? Um, so I think De Bruyne will come good. 
And I think that once he comes good uh, and Aguero and Jesus are fully fit, I think there will be a lot of goals still coming from City and everyone will have at least two City assets in their team. The only thing is the fixture run and whether we can predict the kind of rotation. But other than that, I think uh, I think City have goals in them. Yeah, well, Jesus has come back fit, so they now have a recognised striker. And I mean, Sterling or Torres playing as a false nine does work, but only against certain opposition. Um, on the whole, um, they they operate better when they have a recognised striker playing through the middle. So with Jesus back fit now and Aguero, you don't know how long he'll be out for. But um, yeah, I think I agree, Josh, that they will have goals coming back. And was it not a Jesus goal with a De Bruyne assist? It was. It was against yeah. Liverpool. Yeah. My point exactly. Yeah. Um, but you know, on another, well, still talking about City, but they kind of have inadvertently weakened as the past few seasons have gone on. Um, you know, they brought in Diaz to replace Company, but I don't think he has the same leadership qualities that Company has. They let Leroy Sane go, which I think must have been a personal thing rather than quality, because the guy was yeah. frightening and he scared defenses. There's no way that he wasn't one of City's best players. Um, David Silva went out the door last year and even if uh, Foden's supposed to be his replacement, they could have brought in another squad player. Um, so they definitely aren't the, the force that they have been in years gone by. But, I mean, they were, they were off the pace last year. I mean, obviously Liverpool were just in the league of their own, but they still scored the most goals last season, even though they got only 80-odd points. So... Um, I think even when they're not on top form, they'll still score goals. So, Yeah, and just to top off this whole discussion about how many goals they're going to be, uh, my prediction for the season is that clean sheets are coming. <laughs> um, so I think, for me, I just think that clean sheets are on the way. I think the defensive performances have started to look a little bit more solid. There's teams that are showing that they have defensive capabilities. I think Wolves in general over the season, have been quite solid defensively, although quite boring going forward. I think Leicester are looking really secure. I think Man City are going to start to get clean sheets. Obviously, they did have the most clean sheets last season, I think. It was something, or conceded the least goals. It was something strange about Man City where they kind of went under the radar, one of those two stats. Um, And generally, I think the teams that we've kind of relied on the past, like the Burnleys, um, and even Southampton are looking half decent. We're just starting to see those clean sheets creeping back up. And I think that there's going to be a point where people are going to look at it from a fantasy perspective and say, oh, actually, you know what? I wish I did have some of those big players at the back. I wish I did have Luca Dean or I wish I did have Trent when, if they can get some sort of resemblance to the defence back. I think Man City assets, you know, are going to struggle to get in. But again, you've got the kind of Burnleys, the kind of Tarkovskys that got popular at one point last season. Um, and even Kyle Walker-Peters and people like that, although he's a little bit better value. Um, so yeah, that's that's my prediction, is clean sheets are coming. Yeah, I mean, no. I'm inclined to agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tom disagrees. Go on, Tom. Oh, no, no, I, I do disagree completely. I think everyone just seems to be, have no idea how to play it at home or away at the moment. The fans not being there's really affected all of the players. Um there seems to be almost no, you know, you're winning one nil at home, you know, with 10, 15 minutes to go and there's no like urgency from the crowd pushing them on or anything. And, you know, it's, it's just almost, it's not like they can't be bothered, but it's almost, there's no drive from anything else apart from, you know, a manager on the sideline shouting. And well, also the fact that according to my predictions, there's going to be a hundred more penalties 
this season than last season. That sort of goes towards the fact there's going to be a lot more goals and a lot less clean sheets. I just, I just can't, I can't see how it's going to change in the next few weeks over what's happened, what's been happening in the first few weeks. And they're not, you know, nothing's changed. They're all playing in the same, exactly the same situations. And I don't think all of a sudden, you know, everyone's relearned how to defend. I don't know how they forgot in the first place, but, but, uh, they seem to have completely yeah, forgotten. I don't think they forgot. I just think they've got lazy. I think if you look at the end of last season, the clean sheets didn't drop that much when we came back in Project Restart. So yeah. I think that people are going to remember how they defend and realise that actually there are points on the line. There are fans mm. still at home cheering them on. Um, and I think they're just getting used to the new surroundings of nothingness. Mm. But uh, uh, yeah, I can say I completely take your point. Well, the, the other thing is, so just going on one other point is um, obviously with the fix, fixture schedule this year as well, um, people are just, players are just going to be tired. You know, there's going to be a lot, I think there will be quite a lot of later goals because players literally just are tired. Um, you know, your top teams playing, uh, you know, Champions League and Europa League games midweek and then there's going to be FA Cup, League Cup. Well, is there League? Yeah, there's League Cup this year, isn't there? Do you not think it could um, work the other way though? The teams are just so tired that they can't attack in the final stages of the game. <laughs> Vardy just like lies down for the last ten minutes, just has a bit of a, a bit of a kip on the uh, centre circle. That's a good point. That I hadn't really, I don't think I'd really considered it, but it's uh, it would be interesting to sort of see kind of how the fitness goes this season. Um, I still don't buy into this whole we didn't have a break thing. It's like you had a break. It was called March through to June, mm-hmm. and I don't quite know why <laughs> suddenly you needed the break at the same time that like your body was like, hang on, I needed a break from June through to September. That is when I usually have a rest, and I have not had that rest this year. I think it's a bit ridiculous. Maybe that's what it is then. Maybe those six months, they're just not back to f- match fitness yet. They've had too long, too much time off. Yeah. They've all just like, you know, put on a bit of, put a bit of puppy fat. All of a bit of fat. Don't want to do nine minutes. Sergio Aguero the other day. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm inclined to agree with Josh. I do think clean sheets are coming back. Um, I can't really say what it's been down to that there's been so many more goals. Obviously, we've got ridiculous uh, governing body rules that are introducing more penalties and stuff. But, um, yeah, we had two one nils on the weekend just gone, which obviously doesn't mean that we're going to have more clean sheets, but I think it is an indicator of the tide starting to turn. Um, I'm not going to be investing heavily in like premium defensive assets, but I think um, I will be paying more attention to who's got good fixtures, who's in good form, um, and trying to get them in my team. Um, Well, it leads on quite nicely to our final section, which is what's our strategy going to be going forward for fantasy? And I'll kick off this one. Um, What I'm going to suggest is take advantage of the whipping boys. So we know that there is a lot of goals being conceded. There are clean sheets coming, as I've just uh, detailed. However, there are some teams that I just don't think the clean sheets will ever come from. Um, West Brom, Uh, and Fulham in particular are two teams that are conceding a hell of a lot of goals and I think should be targeted. So whilst I think that generally defences are going to firm up, you can take advantage of those defences that probably just won't. Um, I'm not sure the other two teams that are actually really high in the goals conceded at the moment are Sheffield United and Leeds. Now, I wouldn't necessarily suggest that I was going to target those ones. Uh, the reason, I think, is that Leeds have had to deal with a lot of injuries. Calvin Phillips is essential to our kind of the way we hold ourselves. And Sheffield United, I do think, will firm up a bit. 
if you actually look at the table, there's it's it's a really strange one in goals conceded because you've got Leeds on 17 conceded, West Brom on 16, Liverpool on 16, uh, Fulham 15, Sheffield United 14, and then a load of 14s and 13s. But specifically West Brom and Fulham, I will be targeting with my captains, even if that player is not necessarily a premium asset. So if I've got, say, um, De Bruyne at Southampton and I've got someone like Calvert-Lewin at Fulham or West Brom, I'm starting to consider that I will go for Calvert-Lewin, even though De Bruyne is that is obviously the better player out of the two. Um, but that's going to be a strategy that I'm hoping to employ, provided that the games continue to go as they have been for those teams, and maybe get a little bit of a bump up and, and get those kind of differential captains going forward. Tom, what's your strategy, having looked back on the season so far? I think it follows on quite nicely from what you're saying about taking advantage of of the teams that are conceding lots of goals. And so uh, obviously a lot of people, I think potentially including yourself, um, you were talking about form over fixtures. And uh, I think my strategy going forward actually is going to be looking more towards the fixtures over the form. I think with um, the amount of goals being conceded and obviously I don't think clean sheets are coming back and everyone's going to be scoring for fun. That um, Personally, I'm going to be looking towards the players that have got the easy fixtures like your West Broms um, and then your leaky defences like um, Liverpool and uh, <laughs> Sheffield United. Yeah, Virgil, oh, okay. No, no Virgil, no Gomez, no Trent. You no know, John Matt. It's only it's only a matter of time until John Matip gets Literally injured for the season. So holding down the fort. <laughs> exactly, and he's he was injured at the start. Just think of it, Adrian in. God, what's it going to be? Adrian. Oh, please don't, Tom. Who's even... I, Mil- I, I Mil- Milner at centre-back? I, I, I Mil- realise what's worse. Milner and a, a Spurs fan as a friend is having Adrian as your backup goalkeeper. <laughs> the guy yeah, genuinely what's worse, terrifies me. What's worse than international fixtures? Adrian, just generally. Nothing else, just Adrian. As a, as a generally... As a, he's probably quite a nice bloke, to be honest. But A nice bloke, but just a poor keeper. <laughs> but no, so... But um, yeah, I'm going to focus on players who've got really good fixtures. Um, I think... Form, as they say in the, the popular saying, form is only temporary. Um, and so, you, you know, you, one player could play have a really great game. I think Son's quite a good example at the moment. He had really good form at the start of the season. He's no, he had didn't. some easy fixtures. Got lucky. Sorry, Son got incredibly lucky scoring all those goals at the start of the season, um, which which then player. brought him on to a... Yeah, it's shocking, honestly. God. Eight goals, so God. Shocking. Honestly, eight goals, what, so lucky. what bloke. Um, yeah, so obviously he had, sorry, got lucky at the start yeah, of the season. Right. And so coming into sort of a fixture against West Brom, you'd expect him to pop up and do something. And it's, it's honestly, it goes against both of what we're saying, because obviously this, the fixture was easy and his form was good, but and he's done nothing on it. But I think still focusing on those teams that have got, who are just basically pretty shit and look like championship sides already and just don't really want to be there. Can't wait to get their final parachute payments, go back down the championship play Brentford every other week and just enjoy themselves in the championship, finishing sixth. Yeah, and uh, and it sounds like we're in agreement um, to those listening, but I think the slight distinction for us here is that although I'll be targeting a couple of teams, in general, I won't be looking at the fixture and, you know, you've got to take into account that Brighton at home, Southampton at home, um, Burnley at home are all green fixtures. For me, they're not the ones I'm targeting. I'm specifically targeting Fulham and West Brom. Whereas, as you're saying more generally, that you will be looking for that green fixture and, as you say, yeah, absolutely. more overall yeah, yeah, and bringing that player. Whereas I'll be saying, hey, look, you know, Vardy's got 
Liverpool up next, but I really like that him in that fixture. And then he's got you know Man United at home. I know they haven't, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring those players in. But if I've got someone in my team who's got that Fulham West Brom fixture, then I'm gonna be looking to captain them. So there is a slight yeah, distinction for the for the listeners there. And then almost like it's full circle, <laughs> where we started is where we end. Um, Cam, what's gonna be your strategy potentially going forward? Well, yeah, it kind of nicely leads on from both of yours that I think I'm going to kind of be a bit of in the middle of you and Tom. So I will pay attention to form, but also if someone has a nice fixture, then I'll be considering getting them in um, or captaining them for that week. So we'll probably be looking at a couple of fixture proof players. So we kind of picked out the obvious, the Egyptian king, Mo Salah, um, just seems to score against anyone and everyone. Jamie Vardy, in scoring his penalty against Wolves, has now scored against everyone in the division. Um, and when he's fit, people like Mikel Antonio are just a handful for um, any defence, really. So I'll, I'll be considering some of those players. I mean, I've already got Salah in. Um, I think Kane probably falls in that category as a, as a fixture-proof player. Um, but I'm still toying with the idea. But I'm considering doing what we've talked about in the previous episodes of just leaving Salah as my captain for the entire season. Because uh, as we look at the standings now... Yeah, we won't we, spoil them, but they are awful, aren't they? Yeah, we are, we are quite a long way, way behind. As if, we had, if we just left Salah as our captain. So um, it is... Yeah, I'm very scared about doing it. But it's something that I am considering because, as I said, he just seems to be fixture-proof and he can score... This season, it seems home and away against anyone. I I had him in my team just on the off chance he scored, but I wasn't banking on him scoring against City, and obviously he did, and by an absolute miracle managed to get bonus points. Um, so yeah, that is. We were discussing that's just because he didn't touch the ball for yeah. us, actually, <laughs> rather than touch the ball forty times and give it away thirty nine. That, that's usually press Laporte and Cancelo, but otherwise. It is really difficult, isn't it, watching Salah? Because you're watching him get one goal, and you're like, "I need two goals for any bonus points yeah. here," because he's doing so much damage to his bonus point system elsewhere. But to be fair to him, he has got two goals so often, uh, or got a goal and assist. That That's really the thing. Most mattered. most other players you watch, you'll be like, "Oh, they're on the ball a lot. This is really good for me." But with Salah, you almost want him to go the whole game completely <laughs> unnoticed, and then just pop up with a goal late on, and then he'll get you some bonus finally. But yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to be looking at the fixture-proof players because sometimes it is just so hard to flip-flop between choosing players that are in good form and those that have good fixtures. So just getting someone in that you can rely on week in, week out and uh, yeah, giving Mo the armband each week because, again, you can just lose so many points by flip-flopping between different options. Um, you probably would be better off just leaving it on him. Yeah, I will be um, flip flopping as normal every single week and losing, getting further and further behind you. And, um, and I'll be, will I be, will I be enjoying myself? Probably not. But and I'll be chasing Fulham and West Brom like a nutter, bringing a player <laughs> each week to who's playing them, and then it'll be like Spurs are playing them. I'll be like, nope, not bringing, not bringing in Son. I'm not doing it. He he will blank against Fulham. Uh, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like do I put Dom, do I put Salah as captain or you know Dominic Calvert Lewin looks like yeah. he's got a good good picture this week or I might go for him. So I feel like that could be an interesting experiment if I'm able to stick to that of West Brom and Fulham targeting, provided the players half decent. Like you know, I'm not going to be um, captaining Reed World against um, Fulham, but oh, or, or, why not? Or, or, or Jacob Murphy. 
He's a banker um, for double it, points. What do you mean? I mean, that's true. Jacob Murphy does has an amazing points game. Well, I was thinking but, more about Yara Riederald as well. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's you know, a 14-point magnet every week. <laughs> yeah. Every every week he's played, you mean? Yeah. Spoilers for next week and about bringing Reedwild and Murphy again. Oh, absolutely. So, but yeah, I think that kind of rounds off the podcast today. So we yeah, a little will, bit of a will you be back. Uh, Will you guys be enjoying some of the, the highlights? I'm just looking through the international friendlies this week and it is looking tasty. I'm assuming you'll all be watching Bosnia Herzegovina versus Iran, Moldova, Russia, and maybe if you're feeling really tasty, Japan versus Panama. Oh, that's a crunch match, that. That's a big one. Clash it's of a big one. Titans. Yeah, I'll be doing I my scouting I for the Panama national team just to see, you know, who I should be watching in the Premier League in, in the years to come. I think potentially the worst thing about that is that was meant to be a joke, and I think they actually are the best games that are on the international fixtures this this week. Yeah, we've managed to, we've actually managed to avoid the whole podcast talking about how ridiculous having international fixtures right now is. You know, having just an international friendly when there's ridiculous amounts of injuries, there's obviously COVID about, everyone's flying around, just passing it around from country to country. We've managed to actually avoid that. So I feel like we've done a positive podcast. Well, um, I think it would be yeah. a disservice for us to not finish talking about Tom Med's week last week. Oh, <sighs> Oh. Do we, or do we just do we just oh, do we just leave it on a cliffhanger for for the opening of next podcast? Tom, it's up well, to you. Will, do you want, do you want give, to take the limelight? I will give a honourable mention to Tom Med's fancy week last week. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it to next week because I'm very much looking forward to next week's podcast. Save us talking about it all the more. I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend the entire. It might even go for two hours. Tom's next week. And it will just be me talking about how fantastic I am, how brilliant I am at fantasy, and that everyone else is shit. And I may as well just—I mean, I'm basically may as well be top of the it's top, top of everything. Well, and we're all in it. <laughs> I heard it all revolves around me, so you know. Well, if we're not if we're not on time next week, and you're wondering where the episode is, it is just still uploading because of the file it, it side. Has, <laughs> it has been it has been it has been deleted out of jealousy. So, <laughs> but it's a. Uh, if that wasn't something, if you weren't planning on listening to the next episode, I very much expect you are now. Um, but we will round off there. Thank you very much, boys, for giving hopefully some people something to listen to in this in this tumultuous time. And I don't mean COVID, of course. I mean the international break. Um, if you want to listen to us talk a little bit more in text terms, we are on Twitter and we are FPL by Dummies on there as well. And as we say, we will be back next week with our usual instalments of talking about the game week review and and you know probably six hours and tom talking about his points score and then we'll do probably five minutes if we can squeeze it in about what you should probably do for the uh, the weeks coming up so thank you all for listening and we will see you or speak to you next week and uh, enjoy georgia versus north macedonia